0: This summer, Francis Coppola Diamond Collection Wines and TuneIn are teaming up to take listeners on a curated audio adventure alongside some of the most exciting names in music. Coppola Diamond Collection Wine Cans can go anywhere, and so can our Sense of Adventure podcast. The series highlights the confluence of music, food, and travel by way of intimate conversations with touring musicians. Our six-part series will feature two very different and very popular artists, country music star Margot Price and pop sensation Borns. At each stop, we'll take our artists off of the well-worn touring road and keep it weird with a trip to a roadside attraction, an odd tourist trap, or an unexpected slice of Americana. Our goal here is to highlight how maintaining a sense of adventure inspires their creative process and helps them live life on the road to the fullest. In this episode, we caught up with Margot Price outside one of the coolest venues we've ever seen in the tiny riverside town of Saxapaw, North Carolina. We're going to surprise Margo with a canoeing trip out onto the local waters for an afternoon of fishing. We pick it up by meeting Margo at our tour bus out behind the venue. Hey, Margo.
1: Hi. Nice Nice to to meet you. you. How are you? Great, yeah.
0: All right, the Sense of Adventure podcast series. Margo, (laughs) thank you for being here.
1: Yeah, thanks for having
0: me. Big fan of um, the new record, Love First Record, as well. Um, Really excited to have you have the time that we can come out and hang out for a second. First of all, where the heck are we? Saxapahaw? We're about an hour from Raleigh. And what's so dope about this town, it feels like this town was created on art, culture, and music. I'd never heard of the Haw River Ballroom until I started looking at your tour schedule. Then I realized Toon Yards was here last week, Tank and the Bengas, Washed Out's coming. Like, it's a, it's a center now for like, you know, cool and progressive music. Have you played here before?
1: Yeah, we played here last year on our tour and um, they fed us really well. I yeah. mean, the whole venue is like, kind of built out of this old mill. And this this was all an old mill. And so they just kind of converted it into apartments and, you know, restaurants and shops. Sure. And it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's... They take really, really great care of you here.
0: And it feels like food is kind of a big part of it as well. Like. Yeah local farm to table, like all the uh, other urban areas where they're trying to do something like this, they can actually pull it off out here. It used to be exactly. a mill, and there are actually farms near here. Yeah. To start our adventure, we left the tour bus and hiked down to Haw River Canoe and Kayak to get sized up for paddles and life jackets. We'll get to know Margot a little bit and take a walk up a beautiful, rainy, riverside trail to where the canoes are. We were even lucky enough to have Margot's mom, Candice, and her son, Judah, tag along. Word on the street is you like to fish, so
1: I'm having a fishing gear. I do like to fish. Too. Yeah, our bus driver he had a fishing pull out this morning, but he said nothing yeah. was biting yet.
0: That's the way to do it. Keep like the collapsible in the in the tour bus.
1: Yeah, I know. I need one of those.
0: Me too. I told my 11 year old son we fish quite a bit that I might go fishing with nice. you, and he was super excited about that. Yeah. like, Wait, got to go fishing. He's a Margot fan, so. Oh, cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> We're gonna go canoeing in the rain. <laughs> Cause why not?
0: Cause why not? Yeah. It was touch and go for a minute with the weather, but we decided to risk it. As a successful artist, Margot's career has been all about taking risks. So we figured she'd be up to continue on down the path on this adventure. Specific to like your music and my love for your music is the spirit of the ramble that is super prevalent i think in a lot of your songs but particularly on the latest record the gift and the curse of the ramble yeah and you put so well in a couple of songs like the some strange judgment that comes with the ramble about like getting out and given this beautiful opportunity to advance your art you know your way on the road and then you know the the things that come with that
1: i've always liked to travel and you know before we had kids my husband and i were always packing up and and leaving and right. and living in tents and living in cars. Mom, what year was it that we uh that we went out to um Colorado, do you remember? That was right before you got married like 10 years ago, was that? Yeah, I guess because you got back and said we're getting married in October and I figured you meant a year from then and <laughs> your sister said, "Well, Margo, this is October." And you said it is? Oh, yeah, we're getting married at the end of the month. <laughs>
0: That's the ramble right there. I love it.
1: Yeah. I heard that
0: great story about Boulder. What I didn't hear was, was there um, like a we conscious living, decision? We yeah, before you went to there. Boulder?
1: Well, we'd been in Nashville, and we just kind of felt like we'd hit the the end of our rope. We, we didn't, you know, we just didn't have anything else that we could do there. And so we had a yard sale, and we sold everything, and we thought we're going to go live in Colorado. And so we had a, a good little you know, nest egg of money and we went out there and we found this, um, dead end road where you can camp for free. And, uh, we, we lived out there for about a month and, uh, we'd go into town and we would busk during the day and then as soon as we got enough money for food and a bottle of wine then we'd go back out to the campsite and... That
0: sounds amazing. Cook up some
1: vegan hot dogs or (laughs) (laughs) some rice and beans and
0: I bet you they loved you guys in boulder too yeah, just in terms we, of like wow these kids aren't busking like
1: you, uh, do you hear that
0: girl sing
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we put out a little sign that said just married need money for rings but we weren't married so it was kind of a little <laughs> like, bit of a hustle but you know
0: that's like a hustle Some in the classic the new orleans sense of the hustle were you guys writing songs
1: yeah we in were. in that environment
0: like, you must constantly just be writing. yeah right? we were
1: writing we would at our campsite we'd wake up in the mornings and we were writing together at that point, but we were writing a lot separately. Mm-hmm. And so, and we still do, you know, mm-hmm. both. That's how but, it uh, feels. We would wake up and one of us would go sit on this rock and one of us would go over the other way and meet back in the middle and play what we, what we wrote. It was a good time.
0: Before we dive too deep into the interview, I think it's important to give a little background on Margot and where she fits in with modern music. Alongside contemporaries such as Sturgill Simpson, Jason Isbell, Chris Stapleton and Nikki Lane, Margot Price has quickly become a fixture in Americana music. Together this group has emerged as a sort of Americana Avengers, an informal collective on an unspoken mission to carve out space in the country music landscape for the progressive left. Since its release in 2016, Margot has built on the momentum she created with her debut album, Midwest Farmer's Daughter a project which earned her critical acclaim, a devout fan base, and a spot on Saturday Night Live. It's our team's opinion that Margo was a frontrunner for a Grammy nod for her new record, All American Made, a project that finds Margo and her chief collaborator, her husband, Jeremy Ivey, exploring equality politics with the feminist anthem, Pay Gap melding their passion for soul music and country rock with the undeniably groovy Cocaine Cowboys, and receiving the ultimate vote of country music confidence on Learning to Lose, Margot's duet with the one and only Willie Nelson. Being a woman in the contemporary country music scene is no easy task. Add to that the pressure of being compared to all-time greats, such as Patsy Cline, Crystal Gale, and the incomparable Dolly Parton. We are very lucky to be able to spend this time with Margot at such an interesting time in her life just a few days before some of the most important shows of her career, a three-night run at the famous Ryman Theater in Nashville. A giant opportunity for most musicians, but Margo wasn't sweating it so much. So, all the way back to the beginning, the girl's born on a farm, the girl becomes an artist. What, were, what was influential to you? What were you into in high school? Like, where did-
1: I was into everything. I mean, I was listening to some of what was on the radio, but honestly, in high school, I was listening to a lot of rap music. Sure. You know? Yeah. I think that was what I thought was cool then. I mean, it, sure. it still is, you know?
0: Do you think that that helped show you something else? Was it?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. it was like you had the whole, like, Disney yeah. um, kind of, like, boom. And then the, like, the boy bands and, you know, the, the Britney Spears thing going mm. on. And was not really into that.
0: Right doesn't strike me that you were
1: so yeah it was uh, you know but then there was like there's Tom Petty and that was yeah that was that was huge for me here in Tom Petty when I was young
0: mm-hmm. what about like more southern rock stuff that I hear the production on the new record is so dope and it's not that I didn't think that you and Jeremy could do that but like there's this stylistic part to you know cooking Cowboys some other cuts and I'm like who was the producer on this? Not that I didn't think you guys could, and I was just so blown away and and happy and impressed that it was you and Jeremy. And who was the third producer?
1: Um, the there was too. actually four: um, Matt Ross Spang and my friend Alex Munoz.
0: I was making a joke with somebody. It's as if Alan Toussaint and Marshall Seahorn went to Memphis, and made an Americana record. So it sounded like it sounded like a little cocaine cowboy sounds like a Little Feet record, in a lot of I'll take ways. Take that a lot I of love songs. Little Feet. The grooviness, like the funkiness, the the pocket, the production, even the keyboard is sounding a little bit like Bill Payne on that one.
1: Totally.
0: I loved that it just felt like you guys were immediately stretching out even further to do your own thing. Like the Margot songs were there, and the Margot and Jeremy songs were there, and then now there's this stylistic. We're gonna do it the way we want it. Production
1: is uh, was. Super yeah, I mean, cool. well, you know, before Midwest Farmer's Daughter, we were making, trying to make soul records and right. rock and roll records and, right. and folk and. We like, we like all music. Sure. Tell me about
0: the first project that you pitched to Jack at Third
1: Man. Um, Yeah, that was a you know concept record and um, just kind of about my experiences and my life leading up to it, you know. But yeah, I wanted to do uh, at that point like a a traditional country record. But yeah, we went and recorded it in Memphis. So I, I, I think there was you know even hints of you know, funk and, and, and rock and that. I mean, when you, uh, Four Years of Chances and, and sure. Tennessee songs yeah, and yeah. stuff
0: like that. Yeah. You know?
1: The soul music element. For yeah, sure, yeah. For sure. Jeremy was on bass during that, at that time. Oh wow. And he played bass on that entire first record.
0: Right.
1: And then, um, yeah, he dislocated his finger. <laughs>
0: really?
1: And Yeah, right before we did SNL.
0: What the hell happened?
1: He just uh, dislocated a tendon.
0: Was he playing? Was he playing basketball? What? What no, the? No, he, he was
1: cooking and he lifted up a heavy pot and he dislocated his finger. Oh my
0: gosh. First of all, ouch. Second of all, Margot going to Jeremy. We have SNL tomorrow.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was. We took him to the doctor and it was, it was pretty serious. Yeah, then we, Kevin came back and, uh, and then Jeremy, you know, kind of started playing harmonica more, which has become a big part of our sound.
0: What have you been listening to lately?
1: I've actually been listening to a lot of uh, podcasts. Oh, cool. Cocaine and Rhinestones, this podcast about country music. Right. Have you ever heard of it? I have not. It's great. Yeah, Tyler uh, Co. he he does it. Yeah, I've been listening to those a lot at the gym. We'll listen to that new John Prine record, of course. Yeah. of Forgiveness.
0: I heard you mention in an interview this, can't remember his first name, Tyler Bradbury, something Bradbury. Oh, Darren Bradbury, National.
1: yeah. He's great, man. He's an amazing writer, and I have no doubt in my mind he'll eventually take off, and, and yeah, he's just amazing, amazing song craft from that guy.
0: So, Locoustic, does he have a band? He's recording?
1: He does both. Um, actually, my husband and I backed him a couple times. Yeah, I played drums, and my husband played bass. We called ourselves Hot Garbage. Hell yeah. But, uh, yeah, he's put out a couple records, and we've been trying to help him find a label and a... Find a, a home to take care of him because he definitely is worthy of it.
0: Got to be somebody in Nashville that recognize the songwriting talent. Oh yeah, huh?
1: or not even in Nashville, but anywhere yeah, really. Sure. Yeah, he's just recorded another record and uh, it's it's awesome, but it's not out yet. And then he had um, his last one it was called Elmwood Park, a slightly melodic audiobook. It's really good. You check cool. it out. Um, if we're yeah, lucky, nice maybe
0: fun. we could get you to play uh, Nowhere Fast. Yeah, sure. At some point today, and then maybe we'll hear it tonight at the show, too.
1: Yeah,
0: cool. sounds good. One of my favorites on the record. Cool, thanks. It's kind of got this, that's like on some experimental high lonesome tip, you know?
1: Yeah, there's a, uh, sonically that one, you know, is is different than anything on the record. How the end spaces out.
0: I love that guitar part. And that guitar part is like distinctly twang to it. You know a, a country part but it's also like this kind of experimental rock thing it's really
1: yeah fender had given me this electric guitar and i was sitting down in the basement and that was the first thing i wrote on it was that riff for nowhere fast that riff is dope i brought it on that. yeah tight. Hey, well should we do it while yeah. the sun's peeking through
0: yeah we're right yeah. so matt you're under some sub- substantial pressure here margot price has caught the biggest fish in the artist fishing contest in Austin, Texas. So you're gonna to need to paddle it's us to an area where Margo's gonna win Bass. again.
1: I really failed here by not bringing out my sunglasses. It's a big fail. All right. You guys ready?
0: Ready, Matt. We should have the spectacular tip over right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us for episode one of the Sense of Adventure podcast series presented by Francis Coppola Diamond Collection Wines. Be sure to tune in for our next episode where we launch our canoes and cast for early season big mouth bass on the Haw River. We get deep with Margot about our creative process or experimentation with psychedelics and we end the episode with Margot's acoustic performance of Nowhere Fast. We'll see you next time.